It's the Feast of the Sacred Heart. It's a great day. It's a great day. As you probably heard by now, the Supreme Court of the United States of America has overturned Roe v. Wade. Many of us in the pro-life movement doubted that this day would ever come. There were people who said, eh, we just got to kind of live with it, deal with it, work around it. Today is the day. Roe v. Wade is no more. We're going to talk about it today. I'm going to go through the analysis and uh, what Clarence Thomas said. And before we do all that, though, I want to invite everyone to get down on your knees and pray the glory be. All right, we're all, I'm, I'm going to do it. Get down on our knees and thank God and say, glory be to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Ghost for this great day. You want to do it? All right, I'm going to put the, I'll do it in English and Latin. We'll do it twice. I'm getting that. See, I'm getting on my knees. Y'all get on your knees. Nomini Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sanctum, sicuterat in principio et nunc et semper, et in secula seculorum. Amen. Nomini Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right. Beautiful day. Beautiful day. All right. I am going to go through some of the things I've already read, give you some commentary, give you the significance of what today means. Before we start to celebrate the day, please give this video a like, give it a thumbs up, share it on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you're watching this. I'm streaming live right now on Twitter and Facebook and on YouTube. And then if you're new, please subscribe. Great Catholic content, history, theology, philosophy, political commentary. We do it all here on the Dr. Taylor Marshall podcast. Okay, I'm going to share my screen just because I think one of the easiest ways to understand what's going on is following it in real time, both with news and with people making comments. There's a lawnmower outside. Why does this always happen? The lawnmower guy. He'll be quiet. I'll hit that stream and boom, lawnmower guy is out there. All right, I'm going to, I'm going to share. Here we go. All right. The Constitution does not confer a right to abortion, end quote. As you know, maybe you don't, but Roe v. Wade and the so-called, the purported right to murder a child and have an abortion is based off privacy in the 14th Amendment. That's always been tenuous. Everybody's always known that's kind of bogus to go into that section and that amendment and say, well, somehow there's a right to... Uh, abortion in this uh, amendment that was always everybody always knew that but it was politically correct and that's what they did uh i want to focus on something that why is this doing it why well, we go uh that clarence thomas said 
He said the purported right to abortion is not a form of liberty. I was so happy. I love the fact that Justice Clarence Thomas, who is a practicing Catholic, I've met Clarence Thomas. I once had dinner with Clarence Thomas and we had, let's see, our fourth baby. That's Jude was a baby. It was my wife and the little baby Jude and me. And I remember Clarence Thomas was so kind and he came over to our baby and was talking to us and playing with the baby and all that. He's just a really uh, nice gentleman. I was impressed with him personally, not at all uh, pompous or uh, thinking of more than himself, even, even though he's a Supreme Court justice. So I think just a good man. Love Clarence Thomas. He says in this decision, a purported right. And I'm glad that was placed in there because a purported right is not a real right. You've heard me say it before. All rights come from God. There is no right that is not based on what God grants to us as a right. Does that make sense? You can't say, well, I have the right to blankety blank 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 if God did not first establish those rights. See, rights are based in natural law. People always ask, you say you're a doctor, what's your PhD in? My PhD is on Thomas Aquinas on the twofold beatitude of man in relationship to natural law, right? That's, that's what I wrote on. That's what I studied. That's my forte. Thomas Aquinas in natural law. And that's why I always say you can't have rights unless they derive are given by God. So Clarence Thomas is correct here. You can't say I have a right to uh, dismember, to murder another human being, whether it's in a womb or somewhere else, I have a right to do that if God didn't give you that right. It's also funny to hear atheists, non-believers, to talk about rights. Where do those rights come from? Do you just make them up? If you make them up, we can unmake them up. If you make up your rights, well, I can make up my rights. You know, Adolf Hitler can make up his rights of what he thinks are the rights due to persons. He can even define who's a person and who's not a person, which is exactly what the pro-choice agenda has done. So one of the things I think we need to do in the pro-life movement, because it's not over, right? This doesn't make abortion illegal all over the world or all over America. It just kicks it to the states. It doesn't make it a constitutional right. So we still got a big battle. We actually, we need to talk about when life begins, which is conception. We also need to talk about the nature of rights. What is a right? And we need to pull the carpet out beneath all these people who believe that there is no God and what a right is or is not. They're all on Twitter right now. You can go on there. It's a big old, big old hoo-ha on Twitter. My rights, my rights, my rights. No, you don't have those rights. Your rights come from God. By the very definition of a right, and rights have obligations, two sides of the coin, 
As soon as you start saying, I have rights, you start saying there is a God. And once you say there is a God, there is a morality. And if you're doing something that's immoral and sinful, you do not have the right to do it. Error has no rights. Sin has no rights. Murdering of a child has no rights. So let's focus on when does life begin? What is a human? What is a baby? But we also need to talk about what is a right. And I like how Clarence Thomas said, the purported right to abortion is not a form of liberty. In other words, it's not a right. It's a purported right. Because murdering a human infant is never anybody's right. It's impossible. Now, as I mentioned in the intro, my goodness, I got problems. Here we go. As I mentioned in the intro, today is the feast of the sacred heart of Jesus. This is my pre-1955 Catholic calendar. It's got a fish on there because today is a day of penance. It's got a W on there. That W means the vestment color and the altar color is white because it's a feast day of Jesus. All feast days that relate to Jesus Christ, whether it's the resurrection on Easter or the birth of Christ on Christmas, any feast of Jesus is a white feast. And in order to make it even more solemn, it can be white and gold or all gold. So, Sacred Heart of Jesus, uh, I think that's double first class. This is pre-1955. Um, and yes, I think, in a traditional way, we should not be eating meat on Fridays. We need to do penance at least 52 Sundays a year not counting Lent, not counting Advent, not counting vigils before feast days. Look, we need to not eat as much. We eat too much. But we also need to do penance. Penance. Fasting and prayer. Jesus said, remember his apostles came to him when he was up doing the transfiguration? And they said, we could not get these demons out. We tried to get these demons out and we couldn't do it. We were praying and everything. And what does Jesus say? Some demons only come out by prayer and fasting. You see, the power of God, the grace of God, the energy of God releases when we say, you know what, we're not so powerful. We can't produce grace in our own souls, our own bodies. We're finite, we're creatures. So what we're going to do is, is we're going to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord and say, we are weak. We can't drive out demons. We can't work miracles. We can't do anything. But you, God, can. And so what do we do to signify our weakness in God's power? We pray. We get on our knees. We humble ourselves. We bow our head. We put our hands together or extend them in petition, as they do in the Old Testament all the time. And we fast. When you fast, what are you doing? You're depriving your body of energy. Literally. No calories, no energy. When you fast, you deprive your body of energy. People say when they fast, well, I, 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 I'm weak. I got a headache. Yeah. That's what happens when you don't have energy. 
Here's a super chat from Joey. I'm going to show it because I'm going to talk about it later. Joey says, protect Jesus in the tabernacle, protect your parishes. Next few weeks, we'll see direct action by the left. Exactly, Joey. In case y'all don't recognize Joey, he was on with me, uh, I think, three, two or three weeks ago. And we were talking about how to protect your church with security teams. If we have time today, we'll talk about perhaps the repercussions that are coming down the line. Back to fasting. When you re reduce and take away your calories or the quality of your calories like meat, chicken, pork, beef, nutrient-dense food, you become weaker. And you're saying to God and to yourself, I don't have the power to overcome demons. I don't have the power to overcome sin. And so I am reducing my own energy so that the energy and the power of God can come down in this situation. That's why we need to do penance and perform abstinence, not eating meat on Fridays as a bare minimum as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I, I suspect there are many Protestants. A, a large no, number of my audience is Protestant evangelical, even though I am an ardent and devout Catholic, although not a very good one. They might ask, well, why aren't you eating meat on Friday? Is this legalism? Is this law? No. The reason we do penance on Friday is because Jesus Christ, our Lord, died on a Friday, Good Friday, and he rose again on a Sunday. So every Catholic watching right now, every Friday of your week should be penitential. It should be a little bitty Good Friday. You're not going to party as much. You're not going to drink as much. You're not going to eat as much. You're going to unite your Fridays to Good Friday. And then every Sunday should be your blowout day. It's the day when you eat great food and you have family and friends over and you play music together or listen to music. And, you know, maybe you're, you have a picnic and you go to the park and you throw the football and the freezing. It's recreation. Think about the term. Recreation. Recreation. Recreation is recreation. When Christ rose on Sunday, he initiated a new creation, a recreation, a recreation. So Sunday's our day of recreation. A lot of people use Friday to party and Sunday to rest and get their work done for Monday. Mm -mm. No, Christians can't be like that. Friday is your day of penance and fasting. Sunday is your big blowout feast day. Okay. So it's just, I think, amazing that this happened on the Feast of the Sacred Heart. People might ask, especially if you're not a Catholic, if you're maybe you're Eastern Orthodox or Protestant, or maybe you're not even Christian, you're watching, you might ask, so what's the whole thing with Sacred Heart? Why is that significant? Well, the Feast of the Sacred Heart, the tradition of the Sacred Heart, actually goes back, well, it goes back to the New Testament. My confirmation saint is St. John. The reason I chose St. John is two reasons. First off, at the Last Supper, it said that St. John placed his head on the chest of Jesus. So St. John already wanted to be close to the heart of Jesus. In the Old Testament, in the Jewish metaphysics, 
the heart is the core. In fact, in Latin, the word for heart is core, C-O-R. Your core is not your abs. People got that all wrong. They're like, I'm going to do some core exercises. No, core in Latin means heart, not your abs. The core is the center. And when we talk about the sacred heart of Jesus, we're talking about the core, the center of the humanity of Jesus Christ. We believe as Catholics that we are saved by the body and blood of Jesus. Christ's body was nailed onto the cross and all of his blood came out. And what is the nexus, the connection between the body of Christ and the blood of Christ? It's the pumping heart. The heart is the intersection of your blood and your body. It's literally the organ of your body that moves blood around. And since we Catholics follow the New Testament and we believe in blood atonement, which is the whole point of the Mosaic Law, everything that Moses, that God instituted through Moses in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all of that was about blood atonement. There's life in the blood, it says in Leviticus. So we Catholics are devoted to the sacred heart of Jesus. The other reason I chose St. John as my confirmation saint is because he's the one who cared for the Blessed Virgin Mary, and he was the only apostle at the foot of the cross. All the other apostles left. John was at the foot of the cross with the Blessed Mother in front of the crucified Jesus. He saw the blood and the water come out of the right side of Jesus Christ. So it is significant that today is the day in which Roe v. Wade was overturned. The Sacred Heart goes back to John. It starts becoming more devotional about 1000 AD. And then in France, there was a nun, St. Margaret Mary Alacoque. She started having visions in which Christ started asking her to spread devotion to his Sacred Heart. There was a heresy, Jansenism, which kind of made God a distant, Calvinistic, um, omnipotent, and sovereign, but without his mercy, without his closeness to humanity. And so the Sacred Heart of Jesus reminds us that the very core of Jesus, his very heart, is beating in heaven. Yes, he still has a heart. He rose again. It is beating for you and for me. The heart of Jesus. And if you read the Psalms in the Old Testament, it's always talking about the heart of God. The heart of God. The sacred heart. The sacred heart loves children. Let the little ones come to me. That's what Jesus says. For God to see little ones dismembered and torn apart in their very mother's womb breaks the heart of Jesus. It causes the sacred heart of Jesus to mourn. So this is significant. This is not an accident. This is not a coincidence. Roe v. Wade was overturned on the Feast of the Sacred Heart. That's today. Today, right now. If you go to Mass today, God willing, I can try to wrap this up and get to Mass. If you go to Mass today, the Mass will be the sacred heart of Jesus, the compassion, the mercy, the tenderness of Jesus Christ, the lover of mankind, the high priest. Okay. 
Next thing. You can see this tweet right here. I'm kind of, I'm kind of just going through some of the tweets and stuff. Will so-called devout Catholics Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi rejoice in the protection of babies in the womb, or will they rally to Moloch and kneel before him? Well, I've already seen Nancy Pelosi. She'd rally to Moloch. It's pitiful. How can you say that you're a devout Catholic, you're a Christian, and you're going to defend the so-called false right to dismember, to destroy chemical destruction? of a little baby that Jesus created and died for. How can you say you're Catholic? It's ridiculous. Joe Biden says he's a devout Catholic. Pope Francis says Joe Biden should keep going to communion. And yet, he not only defends abortion, he not only promotes abortion, he takes your tax money, Americans, and my tax money and gives it to Planned Parenthood and other organizations internationally to fund these murders. And he's going to come and tell you and me that he's a devout Catholic, that he's a disciple of the sacred heart of Jesus? No, no, no. I don't care what Pope Francis says about Joe Biden. That is publicly scandalous. Yeah, but Taylor, you're a sinner too. I am a sinner. Try to go to confession. Try to go to confession a lot, two to four, every two to four weeks. Maybe I'll try to go today. I got sins. I'm not coming up here as a saint. I'm not perfect. As I say, I'm a dad with a webcam. I'm not a cardinal, not a bishop. I'm not a priest, I'm not a deacon. I'm not a religious and I'm not a saint. But I have a mind. And when I see someone say, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Christian like Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden, and use it in their campaigning. And when they get up in the public space and they are defending and promoting the A-word, no, no, no. You can't tell me you're on the team with Sacred Heart of Jesus. Let the little ones come to me when the little ones are being thrown into a dumpster. Dead. I said here, will they rally to Moloch and kneel before him? You know who Moloch is? If you read your Bible, and you should read your Bible every single day. The Bible is the word of God. The Bible is God's love letter to you. It takes about 100 hours, I've calculated, to read the whole Bible. That's not hard. You can do it. That's reading slow, I believe. Like out loud. If you read the Bible, you'll see that in the Old Testament, the Jewish people, the Israelites, were tempted for centuries, not just a season, century after century, beginning in around 1000 BC, all the way up until about the 580s BC. There was a Middle Eastern Canaanite cult started in Syrophoenicia, was spread by the Phoenician people, same people who made the Phoenician alphabet. They went to North Africa. They created Phoenician colonies. The Latins, the Romans called them the Punic people from Phoenicia. They had a devotion, a liturgy, a custom, a form of worship in which they offered their babies in human sacrifice to a god named Moloch. 
Moloch. They would burn them. They would have fires. And if you needed something, you needed a better harvest, you needed the drought to end, to them, you know, we Catholics, we pray. We have masses said for certain intentions, which are all representing the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the lover of mankind. They would say, hmm, we've got this new three-week-old baby. We sure love that baby. Let's kill that baby and give it to Moloch, and maybe we'll get some better weather. We'll get some rain. There are archaeological sites showing the victims of Moloch. And over and over in the Old Testament, God is telling the Israelites, how dare you worship Moloch? How dare you give your babies to the false god Moloch? Moloch is the mascot for infanticide and abortion. He is the demon of infanticide and abortion. And you can't say the things that Pelosi says and Biden says and say, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ when you are promoting, defending, and raising money for the altar and the idol of Moloch. No, you can't serve Jesus Christ and Moloch at the same time. Incidentally, I'm going to throw in a plug here. I wrote a historical fiction trilogy, Sword and Serpent. That's the first book. It's about St. George and Constantine and the dragon. You know the story about St. George and the dragon? Well, I got a certain spin on it in this book. And that dragon, in the tradition of St. George, eats children. As a matter of fact, in the tradition where George kills the dragon is a Punic area, which means it would be under Phoenician influence. And so in this historical novel, I take the North African people, the Punics, and they're living in a society where they offer their babies, their children, to Moloch, the god. Except in this, I take the St. George legend, and there's an allegory of Moloch in the form of the dragon who eats the children. And you probably know the end. George eventually comes and slays that dragon and brings an end to the infanticide in the demonism of that culture, which eventually becomes Christian, which eventually relates to the Roman Empire and the Roman Empire becoming Christian under Constantine. That's the trilogy. It's best-selling. This is a best-selling book. If you want to read good Christian fiction, historical fiction, get a copy. Sword and Serpent. What else? Possessed people are having... If you're possessed by a demon today, if you're possessed by a demon, you're having a hard day. The demons are very angry today. I even suspect the demons didn't even see this coming. I think they, they thought they had Roe v. Wade on lock. We need to pray for the possessed. Exorcists that I've spoken to, Father Ripperger, people who I've spoken to that once worked in the abortion industry, Abby Johnson, will tell you 
that that industry is plagued by demonism. This goes back to Moloch. People are possessed. I mean, think about what you would have to do in your mind to place a young girl on a table in that vulnerable way and then pick up tools of destruction, of murder, of slaughter, and then invade that young lady and destroy a new human life. Just think about, is that how you would get there in your mind and in your heart? It takes demonic influence to get there. Some crimes are so wicked, so foul, so disgusting that people with a conscience can't quite get there. And it's the evil spirits, the demons that push people along to the altar of Moloch. That's why this industry is plagued with demonism, witchcraft. You've seen these stories for the last two or three years, haven't you, of these covens of Wiccans, but also Satanists. By the way, Satanists don't worship Satan as like a monotheist worships God. Satanists see Satan as the mascot of self-deification making yourself your own God. Remember, Satan was once an angel and he ceased being an angel and became a demon and led other angels into becoming demons when he said, I want to be God. I will not serve God. I want to be God. The archangel St. Michael said to Satan, mi ka el, which is Hebrew, mi, who, ka, is like, el, God. Mi ka el, who is like God. It's a question. Satan says, I'm going to become God. Michael says, who can be, who's like God? You can't become God. Get out of here. Cast out of heaven. Cast down to earth. This industry is plagued by Satanism, witchcraft, demonism, the occult. And you've seen these stories where the Wiccans and the Satanists are saying, you can't take away abortion. It's part of our religious liberty. It's part of our religion. I've even seen liberal rabbis saying abortion is integral to our Judaic, Pharisaical understanding, which is ridiculous and blasphemous to say something like that. So these people in the industry, and I think even the people in politics, who are advocating, promoting, funding this crime against humanity, there's demonic influence or demonic possession. And then once these women and men go through with these crimes against the babies, then Satan comes as the accuser and begins to attack them on how wicked and sinful. And instead of repenting and going to the sacred heart of Jesus and receiving the blood of Jesus and being healed and receiving the Holy Ghost and his seven gifts, they hide from God like Adam and Eve did. 
and the wounds begin to fester and become worse and worse. So if you're one of those people who has taken part or had an abortion, the only answer, the only answer, I can't even explain it. It's not a paragraph. It's not an essay. It's this right here on the screen. Jesus Christ and his sacred heart. That's where you got to go. That's where you got to go. You can go to hours of therapy. You can read lots of self-help books. It ain't going to fix it. Only he can fix it. The sacred heart of Jesus, the blood of Jesus is the only way. Now, you can. there's other things too, you know, friendship, prayer, maybe some counseling. But if the sacred heart of Jesus, if Jesus Christ isn't in, he's not at the top of it, he's not in the mix, the wounds will fester. And by the way, that goes for any sin, sexual sins, stealing, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, everything. Without Jesus in the mix, at the top of it, the top of the pyramid for your cure, nothing will help you. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Good. I, I see Dan is now in the comments. I saw some inappropriate, bad uh, people, bots in the chat. And uh, Dan's there. So thank you, Dan. He's going to go in there and zap those nasty bots trying to promote, promote wickedness. They're basically trying to send you to evil websites. You see that ever in a YouTube thing? Like date girls or whatever, don't click on that. So it looks like Dan's got that cleaned up. Dan is the man. Thank you, Dan. All right, let's keep going. Barack Obama. Here's what Barack Obama said. Barack. Oh, and then people are saying they, re they reported the bots. Thank you. If y'all see that, please do. Here's what Barack Obama said. Just guess what he's going to say, right? Quote, Barack Obama, Today the Supreme Court not only reversed nearly 50 years of precedent, it relegated the most intensely personal decisions someone can make to the whims of politicians and ideologues, attacking the essential freedoms of millions of Americans, end quote. I find it humorous and ironic that Barack Obama is preaching to us about politicians and the whims of politicians pushing and enforcing their ideologies onto Americans. Barack Obama, that's what you do. That's what you did. For your terms, that's what you did. Can I get an amen from the comments here? Can we get a like here? Can we get a thumbs up? Barack Obama is preaching to us about politicians and ideologies, ideologues, bulldozing over people. But here's the really interesting part. He says that abortion is the most intensely personal decision someone can make, end quote. All right, I like all the amens coming in. I say amen because in Latin it's amen. Although down here in Texas where all the Baptists are, they say amen, amen. But the Latin mass Catholics say amen. 
Barack Obama says abortion is the most intensely personal decision someone can make. This tells me that Barack Obama and all that think like him, they truly believe abortion is a sacrament. A sacrament is an outward sign. Well, the, the actual definition is an outward sign instituted by Jesus Christ that confers grace. Right? It's an outward sign that confers grace and it's instituted by Jesus. There are seven sacraments. Baptism, confirmation, holy Eucharist, penance, extreme unction, holy orders, and holy matrimony. Those are the seven sacraments, seven rituals, seven signs seven seals instituted by Christ. Why? Because Christ is Yahweh. Christ is the son of God. And God always does things in sevens. So when he institutes the new covenant, the new Testament, he does it in a sevenfold manner. This is why Protestants are wrong when they say there's only two sacraments, baptism and communion. That's incorrect. God would not institute the New Testament and give you two. He would always give you seven. That's one reason why you know Catholicism is the one true form of Christianity. We hold to the seven sacraments. That's what Christ did. But the Wiccans, the Satanists, the Barack Obamists, the Joe Bidenists, and the Pelosiists, they defend their sacrament. I got to say something that's going to maybe offend a lot of people watching. Are you ready? Let's see if the counter... Right now we have 2,916 people. Let's see after I say this if people leave the live stream. Here's what I'm going to say. You ready? Take a deep breath. Barack Obama... The Democrats, Antifa, Satanists, Wiccans, they fight harder than most of you to defend their sacrament, abortion. They fight harder than you. They get louder than you when during the last two years, they took away your sacraments. Does that offend you? Think about it. Government politicians, governors took away your mass, took away your Eucharist, took away your worship, closed your churches. And a lot of Christians, a lot of Catholics just said, well, I'll just, it's no big deal. The bishop exempted us and uh, bummer. And you didn't get the sacrament. Again, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. You didn't make that decision. But were you as loud? Were you as activated? Were you as motivated? As all these secularists and abortionists and Planned Parenthood and the Wiccans, were you as motivated as they are today? I think most of us weren't. Most of us who claim to be Christians were not. There was a lot of shrugging of the shoulders. Am I offending you? Are you leaving? They took away your mass, took away your Eucharist, took away your worship, put chains on the doors of your churches. 
Sometimes they said, well, there can only be 15 people in the church. Uh, hey, we get to sleep in on Sundays. Cool. We don't. Hey, kids, we don't have to go to Mass. Woohoo! Slumber party. No. We, this war's not over. They're going to come back at us so hard. They, they are not going to lie down. They are going to come back so hard. And we need to examine ourselves. Are we in it to win it? Are we willing to put everything on the line for what we believe? If they try to take away our mass, take away the Eucharist, the blessed sacrament, take away our churches, are we just going to lie down and shrug our shoulders? Eh, nothing we can do about it. Do you think that these demonically possessed people are just going to lie down today and go, oh, well, Supreme Court? No. I'm not telling you to be like them. No. Do not be of the world. Be in the world, but do not be of the world. But I am saying when you look at their zeal for wickedness, for destruction, for murder, for mayhem, for riots, Again, I'm not telling you to make do riots or anything violent. But look at their zeal, their passion for what they believe in. And ask yourself, do I even have 50% of that for the Eucharist, for the Sacred Heart, for God, for Jesus, for the truth? Am I losing? Am I offending you? Let me know in the super chat. Are you offended? People didn't leave. Number one up. That's good. I'm surprised. It's a little bit uncomfortable. We went through a trial in the last two years. Listen, it's not incidental that governors took away your worship and took away your church and took away your mass and took away your Eucharist. That was a really big deal. Let that sink in. There were heroic priests. Man, I saw Protestant pastors that I was like, man, I wish we Catholics could have that zeal, trying to keep their churches open, saying the state does not have a right to regulate this. Because all rights come from God, as we said in the beginning. But I would say for the most part, almost all the bishops, a majority of pastors, Catholic priests, pastors, they did not fight. They lay down and let the governors run over us. I was blessed. I found priests who were resistant, who continued to have the church doors open, continued to have mass, continued to hear confessions, continued to go out and do extreme unction, care for the dying. I was blessed. And I thank those holy priests who were obedient to God first. Into the mandate to save souls in all nations. So when Barack Obama says abortion is, quote, the most intensely personal decision someone can make, really? I mean, let's just think of some other decisions. How about marriage? Marriage is a big decision, is it not? To marry another person, is that an intensely personal decision? Yes. According to Barack Obama, 
right here on the screen, he's saying abortion is the most intensely personal. So getting abortion is even more intensely personal than getting married. How about this one? Having a baby, a living baby. The great suffering. I, my wife, we've had eight children. And my wife is a saint for carrying eight human beings. One of them, one of those pregnancies was twins. Two human beings inside of her, growing, requiring her nutrition from her body to sustain them. And then the birth, the pain, the anguish, and then the joy of seeing those two little twin girls who are now 18. Can you believe it? That's not the most intensely personal decision that Joy made or that I made. In her case, more. Barack Obama says abortion is more intensely personal decision. The most intensely personal decision. And we could throw up all kinds of things. Uh, start a business. Adopt a child. That's an intensely personal decision. But according to Barack Obama, abortion is a more intensely personal decision than adopting a child. This is the mind of Barack Obama. Do you get it now? Do you get the Democrat Democratic platform? During the campaign, y'all will remember that I was on the campaign of Donald Trump for Catholics for Trump. Many of you were concerned about that. Oh no, Dr. Taylor Marshall is moving away from the faith away from philosophy and religion and metaphysics, and he's getting involved in politics. He's wrapped up with Donald Trump. What is Taylor Marshall thinking? Taylor Marshall's done screwed up. He's off the plan, off the path. Don't you know Donald Trump said this and he did that and he... Yes, I knew that. And from the very beginning, I said there are things that I intensely disagree and dislike about Donald Trump. But I knew, as a Catholic, as a man who studies natural law and politics, I knew that with Supreme Court justices getting older, moving towards mortality, the best shot that we have as Catholics is to unite with someone who is vocally pro-life whether you believe it or not, and who's going to appoint Supreme Court justices like Amy Coney Barrett to get what happened today done. There were difficulties. There were things I didn't like about the campaign. And even when I was promoting and saying, man, we get, I really hope Amy Coney Barrett gets through, people were throwing bricks at me. She's not perfect, this, that, this. I was like, I know. But it's an incremental step to what was accomplished today and we're not done yet. So I do, despite all of his faults, he's not a Catholic. Donald Trump. 
but he honored certain people. He promoted certain people. He certainly honored me. By the way, people think I got paid by Donald. I didn't get one dime for what I did in Catholics for Trump. Not a single dime. Even travel was on my own expense. Because I believed that we have a window to get Roe v. Wade done. To move the ball down the field. And today we had a touchdown. Game's not over, but we did have a touchdown and we got the two-point conversion. Praise be to God. And so I stand by that. I don't stand for everything that Donald Trump represents. I do stand for what happened today. And I hope if you were one of those persons who said, I can't believe Taylor is saying the opening prayer for Donald Trump. I can't believe he's making speeches at the Supreme Court. Why is Taylor Marshall? This was that goal. And I am just delighted today. I am delighted. All right, let's look at some more stuff here. Thanks, everybody, for joining me. If you're new, please subscribe by hitting the subscribe button. And uh, let's get those likes up. Everybody right now, hit the like button. And uh, share this video. Let's get people. There's a lot of low-information Catholics who don't understand. Uh, they think that, hey, we can't push our religion on other people, so let's defend their right to abortion. No, 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 no. You can, you can stand for morality. You know, we can't just say, well, I mean, Hitler believed, that's his decision. I mean, he, that's, he thinks that Jews are less than human and they go in gas chambers. I mean, who are we as Catholics to say thou shall not kill? I mean, that's our Ten Commandments. No, we do. We do hold moral standards in the world. It's not pushing your religion on anyone. A baby in the womb is scientifically a baby, a human with a different genetic DNA than the mother. It's an independent. It's not a cancer. It's not a tumor. It's not an organ. It's not a piece of the mother. It's not the mother's body. It's the baby is his or her own body with his or own her neural system and DNA. This is science. This is from a so-called pro-choice pastor. Reverend Raphael Warnock, blue check mark. I'm outraged by the Supreme Court's decision. As a pro-choice pastor, I've never I'll never back down from this fight. Women must be able to make their own health decisions, not politicians, end quote. Okay, Reverend Raphael Warnock, blue check mark. You can't be a pro-life pastor. I mean a pro-choice pastor. You cannot be a pro-choice pastor. You are what we call a Judas priest. Instead of following Jesus Christ with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, you are changing Scripture, changing the Bible, changing the teaching of Jesus saying, well, if someone in their conscience thinks it's okay, to dismember an eight-month-year-old baby in the womb, hmm. they have that choice. No, that's not a right. How dare you call yourself a pastor? Pastor is Latin for shepherd. How dare you call yourself a shepherd when you are literally saying, let the wolves come and eat the baby sheep? 
That's the worst shepherd in the world. Can you imagine you own a flock of like 300 sheep and the shepherd you you hire, his policy is let the wolves eat the baby sheep? If I were the owner of that flock, I'd be so ticked. Like, you're the shepherd, man. You're supposed to protect all the sheep and I want to grow my herd. I want little baby lambs to turn into more sheep. That's the whole reason that you have a herd, right? You And then you can get the wool, and you get the meat. Imagine having a shepherd, Latin pastor, who says, yeah, I'm all about allowing the wolves to eat the babies, eat the sheep. How dare you, Reverend Raphael Warnock? There's nothing reverend about you. Reverend means he who ought to be revered. We can't revere what you're saying, Reverend Raphael Warnock, and I can't revere any Catholic priest who is sympathetic or says the same thing that you do. No way. No way. So I imagine we'll see more and more of this. It's completely ridiculous. Don't listen to any reverend, any pastor, any priest, any rabbi who says, yes, God wants there to be a decision to kill the baby sheep in the womb. No way. Here's some more good news. ABC News reports 26 states are expected to ban or severely restrict abortion rights in wake of the Supreme Court's ruling overturning Roe v. Wade. And here on the screen is the map. For those of you that are listening and you can't see, we've got Texas where I'm at. Yeehaw. Thanks be to God. Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, West Virginia, Ohio, Indiana, Michigan, Wisconsin, Montana. I'm sorry. Yeah, Montana, Missouri, Iowa, Nebraska, North and South Dakota, Wyoming, Idaho, Utah, Arizona. Pardon me if I repeated a few. Y'all can do math. I can do math. 26 states out of 50. 26 United States out of 50. That's over half. Over half of the United States of America, over half the states, 26 out of 50, are going to ban or severely restrict abortion. Praise be to God. Praise be to the sacred heart of Jesus. That is good news. A lot of people don't understand. They think, okay, Roe v. Wade was just overturned today. Abortion is now illegal in America. No, that's not what it means. Let's get our terms right. What it means is that there's no longer a federal right, a right embedded in the Constitution, in the amendments, guaranteeing the right to abortion. It's gone. What that does is, is kick it to the states. So states like my own, Texas, Florida, Oklahoma, places like that, restricted. Already we're seeing states like California and New York. They're going to get draconian. 
the demon of Moloch is going to flex. Is going to try to extend his power. Satan is going to try to enshrine not just abortion in New York and California. No, they want retribution. They want to flex their wickedness. You know what they're going to do? They're going to go full out infanticide. They've already threatened it. You have a baby and that baby comes out and maybe that baby's handicapped. Maybe that baby's missing a finger. The mom and dad can say, hmm, not going to look good in the Christmas photos. Don't like that. Awkward. Kill the baby. And they're going to make it legal to do something as wicked as that. Who knows how far they'll take it? Up to one year after birth? Up to one week? Four weeks? Six weeks? These people are wicked. They know they are killing babies. They don't care. You know, one thing I've noticed, by the way, I was talking to a a younger woman not long ago. And I'd seen this on social media, but it kind of all clicked for me as I was talking that, you know, there's this huge fascination in America amongst younger women, also older women, I guess, but I think really in the younger generation that didn't grow up with religion, they weren't raised Presbyterian or Lutheran or Catholic or anything. They're sort of just blank slates spiritually. They're really into uh, New Age, uh, Eastern philosophy, Eastern religion. A lot of it is because they've been sucked in through yoga, sadly. And you talk to them and they're really into reincarnation. They'll even tell you, you know, in a past life, I think I was so-and-so or I was this kind of a person and so on and so forth. And as you begin to put the dots together and read social media, you'll see that one of the strongest justifications for these young women for aborting their kids is the religious philosophical idea of reincarnation. Here's how it goes through their head. Follow me. I'm 20 years old. I'm two years away from graduating college. I need this degree. I don't even really like this guy who I'm pregnant with. Super embarrassing for my family. I'll go to Planned Parenthood and I'll quote unquote take care of it. They know it's a baby. They maybe even felt the baby kick. or They've seen a sonogram. Well, the baby's going to die. That stinks. But the baby will have a second chance. The baby will reincarnate and that baby will come back maybe a year or two from now and will be reincarnated into a family of a mom and a dad who really love them. So in reality, I'm not just like killing them and ending their life and something totally terminal. It's really just sort of a, a, a remix. I, I'm going to do this thing. I don't like it, but it's just going to kind of send them back into the soul pool and then they're going to be reappointed into another family. And I don't feel so bad about all that because of reincarnation. Does that make sense? 
So this is actually a way I even saw a woman, I think it was on Twitter. And she said that me and God just keep on sending babies back and forth. Ha ha. And people, and I was like, that's weird. And then I realized she's talking about abortion. She and God sending babies back and forth there. She's understanding reincarnation, mixing it with God. And so that's one reason why you see, I think a lot of these young ladies involved in abortion or wounded from abortion, they like the idea of reincarnation. It appeases their conscience. All right, so lots of states making big moves. Here's what Joe Biden had to say. Remember, he says he's a devout Catholic. Joe Biden says, I'm deeply disappointed by the Supreme Court's ruling in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association with Bruin. The ruling contradicts common sense and the Constitution. They should deeply trouble us all. I remain committed to doing everything in my power to reduce gun violence. Now, I'm against gun violence as well. Hopefully all you are as well. Um, I want to show the tweet of... What's going on here? I want to show the tweet of Father James Martin. Unfortunately, I don't have it queued. I thought I had it queued here, but I don't. James Martin uh, tweeted the thing on gun control and did pro-life question mark. And this is your seamless garment approach. So what they're going to do is they're going to say, you can't be pro-life if you believe in gun control. Well, let me just say this. There is no amendment for abortion. The 14th Amendment doesn't actually say anything about that. There's actually an entire amendment, the Second Amendment, entirely dedicated to a citizen's right to bear arms. And the reason we have the, the right to bear arms in the Constitution is God-given. It has to do with the fact that every human can protect himself from mortal violence. If there are people, criminals, bad guys, in your neighborhood with access to guns and bullets, you have a right to protect yourself with guns and bullets. Moreover, the reason that was placed in the Constitution is because there is in the Constitution and in the Founding Fathers a deep distrust of the government. I was just in New Mexico and was riding horses and we were deep into Indian territory and I learned a lot about the Native Americans. I saw a play there about the Native Americans, um, rode horses on a place that was once run by the Cherokee and was their winter headquarters the uh, Palo Pinto Canyon, beautiful place, by the way. Um, and I got a jit, my heart goes out to the Native Americans. Yeah, the Comanches were very violent, very violent. Um, but one of the things that the United States government did to the Native Americans was disarm them, took away their guns. One of the very first things that the Nazis did, that Hitler did, disarm people. If you want to control a large group of people, and the United States is a large group of people, the Native Americans were once a large group of people, the best thing you can do is defang them. Make it so no matter what laws you pass, 
You could take all these Native Americans and say, you're living in Oklahoma now, period. You don't like it? What are you going to do? You're going to shoot us? You don't have a gun anymore. Oh, get your bow and arrow out and your spears. We have lever action rifles. We have muskets. What are you going to do about it, Native American? This is wicked. The United States government was wicked. And that should be an example. What concerns me, though, is that Joe Biden and James Martin, Father James Martin, they're trying to immediately moralize their position on conscience, that Catholics can use their conscience to override the church teaching on abortion. And what they do is they teach the seamless garment theology. The seamless garment, you remember Jesus before he was crucified, he was wearing a seamless garment. I believe tradition says the Blessed Virgin Mary made him that garment. He was wearing the seamless garment. Instead of cutting the garment into pieces, the, the Roman centurions cast lots and kept it into one piece. So the seamless garment theology is the idea that to be pro-life isn't just about abortion. It has to do with housing and projects and food stamps and gun control and all these other things. And it's all one seamless garment. You can't have one without the other. So what they'll say is, is okay, you're out there saying close down this Planned Parenthood, but since you aren't also trying to get new projects built for poor people, you're not pro-life and all everything you say about the abortion question is invalid, right? So it's a way of leveling the playing field. It's called the seamless garment theology. The Jesuits in 2022 are all subscribe to it. They love it. Here's the problem with the seamless garment theology. Rights are not a flat garment or like a bed sheet. Rights are a pyramid. There is a hierarchy in rights. So the right to bear arms is, is, is low on the hierarchy. I mean, it's in there. It's important, but it's definitely not important as like the right to oxygen the right to water. You know, you can't say, if you, have, if you have jugs of water and there's someone dying of thirst, they're within hours of dying of thirst, you can't say, well, you don't have a right to the water. Yeah, they do have a right to the water. We believe that. We believe that God made the water for all human beings to drink, without exception. No one could corner the water market on earth and say, well, they don't have a right to my water. I have it all. No, Catholics would not allow that. Same thing with food. You have a right to food. You can't say if someone is starving to death, they have a right to food. If you're the proximate person, you're the neighbor, they have a right to your food. This is why in Catholic theology, moral theology, we would say if a family was starving, the father is not only excused from stealing, he has the obligation to go and take food and feed his kids. If there was some big bad guy who had a silo full of grain and wouldn't let anyone have the grain, it would not be wrong for me, a dad, to sneak out there at 3 a.m., fill up a sack of grain and get out there and go feed my kids the grain because there's a right to it. But the reason there's a hierarchy of rights is because at the very top of that pyramid is the right to life, the right to be alive. 
if I'm dead, if I'm not alive, I don't, you know, the right for food, what does that even matter? I'm dead. The right for oxygen, I'm dead. The right for water, the right for a home, I'm dead. And this is why the seamless garment of playing all the rights on equal footing is wrong. It's not Catholic. There's a hierarchy of rights. And the highest right is to be alive. The right to life. The right to be born. See, if I don't get out of the womb, if I'm deprived of my right to, to leave the womb and enter into human society, then the lower rights, which come under that, like the right to drink milk or fluids, breathe air, have a blanket, don't matter. A dead baby doesn't need any of those things. The baby's dead, sadly. So no, abortion is not healthcare. It's not a right. And you can't do what Joe Biden does and Father James Martin and the modernist heretical Jesuits do of the seamless garment and try to make all rights equal. No, the right to life is at the very top of the pyramid of rights. If you don't get out of the womb, none of the rights matter. All right, here's another thing I've been seeing. I'm just going through my Twitter line this morning. Follow me on Twitter, Taylor R. Marshall. My middle initials are for read, as in I like to read books. Uh, but that's actually my middle name, Taylor Reed Marshall. So my Twitter handle is Taylor R. Marshall. There's two R's in the middle. Here's something I realized. I'm seeing hundreds of tweets threatening to murder Justice Clarence Thomas and other Supreme Court justices. Why does Twitter censor nonviolent tweets by conservative spokespersons, but not censor these public death threats, question mark to Jack and Elon Musk. I want them to see this. Why is it that a doctor who posts something that's against the World, well, the World Health Organization or that's against certain drug companies, alternative re research, alternative prevention, alternative cures. We all know what we're talking about here in the last two years. You post that on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube, boom. Not only demonetized, but often deleted content. And if you pursue in it, you lose your Twitter account, lose your Facebook, lose your YouTube. They crack down. And yet people are going on today and they're, they're threatening to do the worst possible crime against Justice Thomas. Worst possible crime. The Twitter algorithm, the social media bots and all that, they don't, they don't censor that stuff. It stays up, but you want to get on and, and talk about, I can't even say it. See, if I say it, I'll get restricted. 
And I'm talking about issues that relate to the past two years. So just fill in the blanks there. They have to do with human health. All right. If I say those things, if you type those things, if we put those things, if you're a, a doc, you go on uh, Joe Rogan and talk about these things, they're going to try to get Joe Rogan canceled. That's how serious this stuff is in the public discourse. You hear me? Y'all, y'all hear what I'm saying here? Let me know here in the live chat. Uh, am I being too obscure? Unfortunately, I have to be obscure. What's going on with my screen? Oh my goodness, stop. Why is it doing this? Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm going to try to fix my screen. Am I too obscure? Even better, if you understand me, give this video a like. Let's get the likes up. I have no idea what my screen is doing right now. <laughs> it's going big. It's going small. I mean, why can people threaten the family or the lives of Justice Thomas and the social uh, companies say, that's cool, whatever. But if we talk about issues that are politically incorrect, that don't go with the WHO, that don't fit with certain narratives, censored, closed down, canceled, bad, gone, book deal, canceled, TV appearance, canceled, channel, canceled, radio show, canceled. But then you can come on and threaten the lives of the families of justices and even the justices himself, and that's fine. I mean, we need some uh, explanations here. I don't understand how you can threaten violence and, and wickedness towards people and you still get to be active on these social platforms. It's going to honor a quick super chat here. This is from Mr. Me. Whoa, where'd you go, Mr. Me? There you go. Keep up the great work, Doc. I hope more Catholics follow your lead with steadfast courage. Thank you, Mr. Me, for that super chat. And uh, please... The only way other Catholics or anybody's going to find this channel and watch these shows and subscribe is if you, the viewers, that's you right now, 3,398 of you, share this video. So if you're on Twitter, retweet it, share it. If you're on YouTube, right below, either next to or below the screen, you'll see a share button. Hit share, hit Facebook, it'll share it. You guys are my algorithm. Thank you. So earlier I mentioned we need to start not only defending life in the womb, we need to start entering into the debate in public over what is a right that needs to be part of our agenda. But we also, in order to win a culture war, we need to be on these public platforms. And so we also need to be calling for accountability. I think Elon Musk has kind of entered into that when it comes to the platform I'm looking at right now, you know, why is it that there can be violence against a Supreme Court justice and his family, and those aren't blocked, those aren't canceled, and yet you can say stuff that's just sort of like nonviolent personal opinions about 
health and you do get canceled. Why the double standard? Well, part of the reason is these are owned by people who are part of the technarchy. Twitter is lit today. If you're not on Twitter, well, if you're not on Twitter, don't get on Twitter. All right. It's a black hole. You got to really be disciplined not to spend too much time on Twitter and to mute and block all the crazy people because it's just like way too much for the human psyche. But uh, if you are, man, sneak on there and take a peek and then get off and then celebrate the day. But it's uh, it's going crazy. One of the trending topics right before I went live today is, quote, abolish the Supreme Court. That's trending on Twitter right now. Abolish. They're so mad that Roe v. Wade was overturned. Their solution is abolish the Supreme Court. And I wrote, this is the most copium trending Twitter topic of all time. Copium, you know, you try to cope with something. And when there's opium, copium is like the drug you take to cope with problems. This is total copium, copium by the left. You can't, what are you going to do? I mean, this goes back to the French Revolution. We hate the king. We hate Marie Antoinette. We hate Louis XVI. Kings are bad. Nobles are bad. The church is bad. Cardinals are bad. Bishops are bad. Get the guillotine. Chop the heads off. Chop the heads off. Chop the heads off. Get rid of it. Abolish it. Abolish it. And the French Revolution became a hundred times worse than anything that had ever existed in France before. Anarchy, destruction of the church, destruction of the political order, doesn't solve anything. Okay, you're going to abolish the Supreme Court. All right, now when any of your other real rights are threatened by biotech, social tech, any of those things, where are you going to appeal? You can't because there wouldn't be a Supreme Court. So abolish the Supreme Court is a horrible idea. And it's just pure copium. All right. I wanted to um, lead y'all in the Te Deum. The Te Deum is, no one really knows who the Te De- who wrote the Te Deum. Some people say St. Ambrose. The Te Deum is one of our oldest Christian hymns. It is the hymn of praise. If you've seen, uh, is it Shakespeare's Henry V? Let me know in the comments. Maybe I got it wrong. I think it's Henry V by Shakespeare. They win the battle. Let us sing. I think he says, let us sing a non nobis and a te deum. Is that right? All you Shakespeare people out there? The te deum is the hymn of praise to God. Since I think most people are not familiar with it, instead of doing it in Latin, I'm going to do it in English. And it's a way of praising God and recognizing his power, his sovereignty over mankind. So um, I'll leave myself on the screen, but I am going to read it. Actually, you know what? I'll try to put it on the screen, which I like that. Let's see if I can do that. One moment, please. The Te Deum. Okay, here we go. I got it in Latin and English. So if you want to follow it in Latin, you can. 
but I'm going to put it in the... Here we go. Why can't I move these things? Okay, can y'all see all that? Let me know in the, in the uh, live chat if you can see the words on the screen. Hmm. Won't allow me to zoom it like it normally lets me zoom it. Come on. How odd. All right. Well, it's just a technical difficulty. So what I'm going to have to do here is I'm going to have to make our Lord a little smaller. And I'm going to have to move myself up over here. Move that. Okay. Now we can all see it. Are you ready? All right. Oremos nomini patris et fidei et spiritus sancti. Amen. Oh God, we praise thee. We acknowledge thee to be the Lord. Everlasting Father, all the earth doth worship thee. To thee all the angels, the heavens, and all the powers, all the cherubim and seraphim unceasingly proclaim, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of the majesty of thy glory. The glorious choir of the apostles, the wonderful company of prophets, the white-robed army of martyrs, praise thee. Holy Church throughout the world doth acknowledge thee, the Father of an infinite majesty, thy adorable, true, and only Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. O Christ, thou art the King of glory, thou art the everlasting Son of the Father. Thou, having taken upon thyself to deliver man, didst not disdain the virgin's womb, Thou overcame the sting of death and hast opened to believers the kingdom of heaven. Thou sittest at the right hand of God in the glory of the Father. We believe that thou shalt come to be our judge. We beseech thee, therefore, to help thy servants whom thou hast redeemed with thy precious blood. Make them to be numbered with thy saints in everlasting glory. Save thy people, O Lord, and bless thine inheritance. Govern them and raise them up forever. Every day we thank thee, and we praise thy name forever, yea, forever and ever. O Lord, deign to keep us from sin this day. Have mercy on us, O Lord, have mercy on us. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, for we have hoped in thee. O Lord, in thee I have hoped. Let me never be put to shame. Nomini Patris et Fidii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. One thing I want to focus here is this line right here. Can you see that? Maybe I can make it bigger. Yes. All right. Thou having, this is addressed to Jesus Christ, thou having taken it upon thyself to deliver man, didst not disdain the virgin's womb. Think about that. Jesus Christ is the eternal second person of the Trinity, the eternal Son of God, the eternal Logos, the Word of God from all, all eternity past. He was never created. He's not a second-hand citizen in the Holy Trinity. He's consubstantial with the Father, co-eternal with the Father. And he did not 
disdain the virgin's womb. He did not abhor it. If you look at the Latin, horuisti, he did not abhor the virgin's womb. Jesus, this is what's beautiful about Christianity, beautiful about Catholicism, is we are so plugged into the mystery of the Virgin Mary and Jesus Christ. The Virgin Mary is the portal. She is the gate of heaven. She is the means by which the eternal Son of God enters into creation, into finitude, while remaining the Son of God. He assumes a human nature, one God. He's one divine person with two natures, divine nature, human nature, 100% God, 100% man. That mystery of him assuming the human nature happens in and through and from the Blessed Virgin Mary. In her immaculate womb. That's the mystery. That's what's so great about being a Catholic is we have all these, I'm looking at them right here, icons and statues and images of the mother of God, either pregnant with Jesus or holding the baby Jesus. Thou overcame the sting of death and have opened to believers the kingdom of heaven. So our Lord Jesus Christ doesn't abhor the womb. He loves the womb. And that's a great way for us to end today. We believe, you know, we're not Mohammedans. We're not Muslim Saracens. We don't believe God is some emperor up on high who just sends angels down occasionally to talk to prophets and inform prophets. No. As a Catholic, I believe in a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and that God sent His Son, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. See, we actually believe that God himself, God the Son, lived in the darkness of the womb of the Virgin Mary, immaculate pure womb of Virgin Mary, for about nine months. Buddhism doesn't teach that. Islam doesn't teach that. Rabbinical Talmudic Judaism doesn't teach that. This is why Catholics are at the forefront of the pro-life movement. We believe in Lady Madonna. We believe in the Blessed Mother, the Virgin Mary. It's part of our story. It's part of our reality. It's our metaphysics. So when you come along, like Barack Obama, or even these so-called devout Catholics like Pelosi and Biden, you come along and say, yeah, you can, you can play stainless steel or chemicals into the womb of a woman and remove that new life in the womb? See, that just doesn't fit with our Catholic worldview. That doesn't fit with Christianity. If the Savior of mankind, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Root of Jesse, the Son of Man, is contented, is honored, is adored in the womb of the Virgin Mary, well, then that changes the whole debate on abortion. That's why we have the zeal for it. 
I might hear some of you say, well, yeah, that's our religion, so we shouldn't push it on other people. No, 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 no. It doesn't take Catholicism. It doesn't take Christianity or the Bible to know that sticking stainless steel or chemicals into a woman's womb is evil, is murder, is the destruction of human life. Even the ancient Greeks before Christ knew that this was wicked and sinful, that abortion was bad. It was the ending of a human life, a baby life. So our argument on the legality and the rights doesn't even require the Bible or Catholicism. It's patently wrong based on natural law. But what gives us the energy and the zeal and the desire and the love and the grace and the passion to fight this fight for the little babies in the womb is him, Jesus. Because he was a baby in the womb. And as soon as he was born, King Herod heard there was a new king in town. And what did he do? He killed the babies, the holy innocents, the martyrs who died for the sake of Jesus Christ under the swords, the knives of the soldiers of King Herod, a false king. Ever since then, these false kings, these false these tyrants, false presidents, false premiers have been waging their war against the kingship of Jesus Christ. And they do it just like Herod with their steel and their chemicals and their pills and their poison. So our zeal, our inspiration it's not merely because we study natural law and we like natural law. No, it's because the mission of Jesus Christ began in the womb and emerged from the immaculate womb of the Virgin Mary. And he specifically tells you and me, let the little ones come to me. Don't chop them up and throw them in a dumpster. Let the little ones come to me. This is another reason why we baptize all of our babies right away, don't we? Yes, sir. Let the little ones come to me. And he also says, you know, Jesus taught about little ones. If anyone should scandalize these little ones, tempt these little ones, hurt these little ones, you know, scandal, that word scandal, it means to trip. If you scandalize someone, if you put a scandalizing stone, it's a tripping stone. It makes you fall down, bust your face, bust your nose, break your arm. If anyone damages, scandalizes, hurts these little ones, Jesus has a message for them. You know in the movie Godfather, they can't find Luca Brasi. Anyone heard from Luca Brasi? Where's Luca Brasi? Did Luca Brasi betray us? Luca Brasi this, Luca Brasi that. And then finally, a newspaper comes. And there's a bulletproof vest, the big bulletproof, because Luca Brasi's got a big gut. He's a big boy. Luca Brasi was a bad guy. In fact, if you read Godfather, the novel, Luca Brasi gets an Irish girl pregnant and has a midwife deliver the child and then throw the half-Irish baby into the furnace in the basement. 
Luca Brasi was into infanticide. He's a bad guy. But the reason I bring up Luca Brasi is the newspaper, his bulletproof vest, and then there's a big raw fish in there. And I said, what is this? I say, it's a Sicilian message. Luca Brasi swims with the fishes. In other words, the other mafia family captured Luca Brasi, strangled Luca Brasi, and then put cement shoes or somehow weighted down Luca Brasi and sent him down into the water. Luca Brasi's no more. Swims with the fishes. Well, Jesus Christ also taught that those who scandalize, hurt, damage his little ones, they're supposed to swim with the fishes. Jesus said that. Well, he didn't say swim with the fishes. He said it would be better for a millstone tie it around their neck and throw that millstone overboard into the ocean, sinking them right to the bottom to swim with the fishes. I need to get a t-shirt made. I want a t-shirt. It has the Bible verse with that and then swims with the fishes. Those who want to kill kids, teach kids heresy, hurt kids, molest kids, bother kids, prey on kids, better for a millstone to be tied around their neck and thrown into the oceans to sleep with the fishes. So Jesus teaches about little ones. He was a little one. Little ones, the holy innocents, were martyred on his public teaching. He says, let the little ones come to me and don't you mess with them. Be better. All these people, all these progressive, yeah, but Taylor, like the New Testament, God's like so loving, and I mean, Jesus, he's against the death penalty, and all, hmm, hmm, I don't know about that. Go read the Gospels. He says, those people who hurt kids get the death penalty. I mean, it's not my words, it's his words. I don't care what a Jesuit said on Sunday. I really don't care what the Jesuitical sermon said. I do know what Jesus' sermon said. He says better for them to be drowned in water and sleep with the fishes. With a millstone. You know what a millstone is? It's a giant carved out rock that you rotate, you put grain in it, and it grinds the grain. It's a big old thing. We need some millstones. Yeah, but Taylor, like the mercies of the Lord. Hey, look. Jesus is merciful. He's, today's a sacred heart. But he said, let the little ones come to me. And he said, be better for those who scandalize the little ones to have a millstone around their neck and cast into the sea. He's serious. He loves little ones. So you're going to try to come out and say, I'm a devout Catholic. I'm Joe Biden. I'm Nancy Pelosi. You're going to be Pope Francis and say, they're in good standing. Receive communion. Mm. You're not in line with Jesus. Yeah, well, Taylor, you can't say that about a pope or president. I, I can read the Bible. I know our Catholic tradition. It is always forbidden. It is always a mortal sin. It's a grave sin for abortion. Now, the three conditions of a mortal sin, you have to, it has to be grave matter, gravely evil. You have to know and you have to will it. And of course, there are young girls, maybe even 
adult women who have been dragged on to the abortion table, have been coerced, threatened, threatened with their lives, threatened through drugs, prostitution, pimping, their own parents forcing them to do it. And so, yes, in these cases where there's lack of will, there's lack of knowledge, not a mortal sin, not the culpability of mortal sin. But the objective act, the gravity of the act is there. And we can't ignore that. We can't just say, well, my conscience this, my conscience that. No, you must form your conscience. You must say, what is natural law? Let me study natural. You must say, what does the church teach? What have the popes said about this? What do the church fathers say? What does the New Testament say? What is Jesus' will in this situation? You know, there's this whole Jesuit idea, modernist false Jesuit, not legit Jesuit, but this modernist Jesuit idea that, well, you know what? I don't have to actually study my Catholic faith. I don't need to learn more. I don't need to be catechized. I had my first communion and my confirmation, so I'm off. And then once I went to confession and the priest said that I could have sexual sins and contracept and maybe even abort if I my conscience is okay with that, so I'm cool with that too. That's not Catholicism. Like You have to know your faith. You have to love the Lord your God, not just with your heart. Jesus said you got to love the Lord your God with your mind and with your strength. How do you get strong? You work out. Are you working out as a Catholic? As a disciple of Jesus, are you working out? As a disciple of Jesus, are you strengthening your mind? Do you understand Catholic doctrine, Catholic morality? It's not enough to just say, hmm, well... I got my first communion and I kind of feel that it's God's will for me to fill in the blanks. Sleep with my boyfriend, sleep with my girlfriend, live this lifestyle, identify as X, Y, and Z. And then someone comes along and says, well, I'm not so sure that fits with Catholicism. Why are you judging me? You bigot, you meanie person. Like in the video I did yesterday with the two dads giving the sermon in Chicago. Anyone opposed to them is mean. No, it's not mean. It's just holding the standard. It's teaching the faith. Catholicism never changes. It's the one faith, one baptism, one Lord. What a great day. The feast of the sacred heart. The mercy of God the part of the body, the core of Jesus Christ that pumps the blood of redemption, the price of redemption. He spilled out all his blood on the cross to save you and to save me and Deo gratias. Thanks be to God. I want to encourage you, especially if you're new to my podcast, to pray the rosary every day. I'll put Our Lady over here. Why should you pray the rosary? Well, the rosary is Bible on beads. The rosary has, as instituted by Our Lady, 15 mysteries or 15 decades. And it takes you from the very first ministry, the Annunciation, where Christ enters the womb of the Virgin Mary after the uh, Archangel Gabriel comes to her. She conceives by the Holy Ghost. And it goes through the whole life of Christ. So every time you pray the rosary, you're meditating on the Bible. 
and you're standing next to Mary at the cross, because Mary was at the foot of the cross. You're standing next to her as a disciple, and Jesus says, Behold your mother, behold your son, as he said to John. And she, as you can see on the screen, is guiding you. She's holding your hand. She's at the foot of the cross, pointing at Jesus, saying, This is what it's all about. And you're going through the mysteries of the rosary, and you're learning about Jesus, and you're praying. And it takes about 20 minutes to do. And let me tell you, most of us on our own can't pray 20 minutes. If I said, hey, go over there in that room and pray 20 minutes, it's really hard. It'd be hard to even get to five minutes. The rosary is like a training wheels on a bike. It keeps you upright. And when you pray the rosary, your mind might wonder, but since you have the beads and you have the prayers and you have the meditations and the 15 mysteries, it's the training wheels that guide you along so that you can pray for 20 whole minutes every single day. That's why I say pray the rosary every day. You're not on the team. It is the most valuable, other than the mass, other than the sacraments, the ability to pray through the scenery of the Bible, of the Gospels, of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is the most powerful form of prayer on earth. So get a rosary. You can get them for cheap. You can get nice ones. I give away nice ones. Like these ones from Seraphim. By the way, I got it. I'm past due on uh, giving away one of these rosaries. Look at this one. This one's awesome. Nice rosary. I'm going to give this away to those who are supporters on Patreon. You can get a nice one. You, can get, you just got to get one and pray the rosary every day. You might be a little confused at first, but within a few days, you're going to be on point. Pray the rosary every day or not on the team. By the way, I'll be giving away this beautiful rosary to those who support my work on this podcast, on this channel. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash drtaylormarshall. You can make a one-time donation. You can make a repeated donation. There are different levels on Patreon. And at different levels, I'll send you coffee mugs, t-shirts, online courses, signed books, signed copy of Infiltration, signed... I have uh, 10 books, so... There's all different kind of combinations on there. That's my way of saying thank you to you. I know it's not much. Some of you are such generous supporters. Uh, I can never send you enough books or t-shirts to say thank you. Um, but thank you to all who give the lowest amount all the way to the greatest amount. Uh, you keep this going and allow me to have the time to do this full time, to prepare, to research, to speak, and to make all this technology. As you can see, it's kind of complicated. Uh, work and also for people like Dan, who's in the live chat right now, who does the highlights and editing and all kinds of things like that. So we all thank you and a big thank you to all the Patreon patrons. And if you want to be a generous supporter, you can go to patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall and we'll send you out those books or merch or whatever you sign up for. All right, I'm going to close up. We're going to pray a Hail Mary, Ave Maria. And the Gloria Patri to thank God one more time. Oremus. Nomini Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, or pronobis peccatoribus, nunc eretor mortis nostri. Amen. And now we thank God for this great miracle, the, end, the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Gloria Patri et Fidio et Spiritui Sancto. Sicuterat in principio, et nunc, et semper, et in secula seculorum. Amen. Which is, glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, 
world without end. Amen. And Sacred Heart of Jesus, please bring abortion to an end. Nomini Patris, et Fidi, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Happy Feast Day of the Sacred Heart. Uh, today, I, I'm still keeping today as a day of penance because we we got a touchdown, but we haven't won the Super Bowl yet. We got to keep fighting. We got to keep training. We have to keep praying. As I said in the beginning, we have to keep fasting, doing penance, abstaining from meat, refraining from certain luxuries that we can experience. Denying ourselves. When we deny ourselves, we say, I am weak. You are strong. I am weak. Lord God, you are strong. You take the victory. If you're willing, I'll be a tool in your hand, a weak, fragile tool. But you have the strong arm, Lord. You take the victory. And I would love to be used by you as a tool, as an instrument in the world. That position of humility and prayer is what will win this war and will save human lives and the lives of baby. Remember I said, 26 states are going to either ban or restrict, and restrict isn't even enough. 26, there's 24 more states. We got a touchdown. We haven't won the Super Bowl. Let's keep it up. Till next time, remember, our Lord Jesus Christ says, you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth, so go out there and be salty especially in this great war in defense of the unborn. Happy feast day. God bless you and Godspeed. Oh, and please subscribe and watch the next video.